Are you gay? Geeky? Just enjoy hearing your good Judy's dish about the latest in pop culture? Well, then you're in luck. The boys of Flame On are here for you. In every episode, we discuss the topics that entrance us. Whether it's comics, TV, movies, drag queens, or video games, we've got you covered. So, if you're ready for your gay and geeky slice of pop culture life, then sit back and get ready to Flame On! Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Brace yourselves for unknowable horror because the Call of Cthulhu Mystery Program has returned. Yes. Nerdy Show's beloved RPG audio drama of black comedy and Lovecraftian horror is back with an all-new series, a chilling tale called The Terrible Secret of Lot X. Head to CthulhuMystery.com or find the Call of Cthulhu Mystery program wherever you procure fine podcasts. Succumb to the maddening call of Cthulhu. The following episode of Flame On is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop. Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination. And with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geeky programming, visit nerdyshow.com. What's going on, everybody? Pat DeBear here with another episode of Flame On. We are back in the month of February 2021 to discuss the month of pop culture, things that are intriguing, interesting, or uh, relevant to us in some way, shape, or form. My name is Pat DeBear. I am your host. I am joined today by Senor Eric. Hello. Senor BJ. Mi torta. Senor Brian. Hello there. And Senor Scratchy. Oh, <laughs> music! Don't I can't. I have I have actually gone a full three hours without listening to that song. TikTok is on fire right now with all the people that are fucking jamming out to it. It oh, is. I I've, love it. I've sent you guys a couple of them. I, I I'll post them up on the uh, on the Facebook for everybody. You didn't think you were the only magic girl in town now, did you? Uh, well, we're not going to be talking about that today. <laughs> I know our listeners would love to hear what we're going to talk about, but there is Patreon-exclusive content. If you are one of our patrons, you will have access to that uh, any level above the $1 level, I believe. Maybe it's the higher one. I'm not sure. It's, I know it's on there. Uh, but if... Uh, it's on the level that has the 
micro micros, which this was not a micro micro. It was a regular micro uh, where we just chatted, had some fun, talked possible uh, theories and wild conjecture and speculation, one of which is starting to take shape, which as soon as I finished watching, Oral told me, he's like, girl, as soon as you finish watching, text me. I'm getting a haircut right now. <laughs> we have to talk afterwards. <laughs> and he was like, let it be known that I called the Nexus being when we recorded. He's like, when is that going out? Because the people need to know that I was right. <laughs> Because that episode was recorded on a Wednesday night when we uh, when the episode came out on Friday. So yep. if you listen to that Patreon episode and you just know, we hadn't seen it. We didn't know what was going on. And I realized there are two bits of pop culture right now that I partake in that I haven't... I, I actively avoid spoilers for. One is Drag Race UK, which is odd because I know... The top four for All Star Six, which isn't even announced yet. <laughs> so stateside, <laughs> stateside, I'm just like, give me the spoilers. But for UK, I'm just like, I'm sitting there in anticipation, like everybody else, wanting to know what's going on. And the other piece of pop culture that I do not like, I actively avoid any, like speculations or, or or spoiler type stuff i will say i have indulged a little bit in theories because that just makes it more fun but wandavision i actively avoid anything that might spoil it so we are going to uh sit down as a group and uh get oral back on oral actually was able to make it for the wandavision patreon episode so if you've missed oral now is as good a time as any to become a patron you join in for a month, listen to that episode, and then you can uh, unpatron yourself if if you so if you see fit to unpatron yourself at that point. But uh, I suggest uh, not and hanging out and helping support the show and what we're doing. Uh, I know I keep on saying it, but we will be unveiling brand new tiers. We have them named. We're just hammering out details on what to uh, give to all of you guys to help support us or in exchange for helping support us, I should say. So uh, keep your eyes peeled because that'll be coming out soon. For the patrons that are out there that are listening, uh, don't worry. We'll give you plenty of time. Uh, You'll be able to choose a new tier when those tiers are unveiled and we'll have time for you to examine them, see what you want to do and make that change before it uh your tier ends because we'll give it probably about two months once we launch those new uh those new new tiers so you can uh, pick where you would like to help support us and uh, still have access to all the benefits so with that being said uh that's what we're not talking about today is wandavision (laughs) even though uh i literally gasped out loud like we all knew it was coming we all knew it was coming but we weren't prepared but it was so good when it happened. We were not prepared. <laughs> oh, so good. So good. Okay, so we're going to chat about uh, the month of pop culture. We're going to talk about some things that are entertaining to us or that we wanted to share with you all. So why don't I throw it over to Eric so he can tell us what his topic is. So my topic 
it was very interesting, but kind of depressing all at the same time. Which, as oh God, someone, so depressing, so unbelievably depressing. As someone born in '81, I kind of the late '90s were very influential musically, and the age of TRL and Britney oh Spears God. coming out was kind of everything. And so I watched Framing Britney Spears, uh, presented by the New York Times as part of their docu-series. Which, just so, if you're, just so you know, um, if you're going to search it on Hulu, you either have to start typing in Britney Spears or um, the, New York Times, uh, the New York Times Presents. Because I started typing in Framing, and it wouldn't come up. So take a look at that. I'm just... Uh, for those of you out there that have not watched it, it is on Hulu. Sorry to step on your toes, Eric. I just no, want to make sure okay. that people that's know okay. how to Good. find it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it did, it did take me a minute to find it when I was looking for it originally. Um, because I didn't know it was uh, presented by New York Times. Um, I thought it was just its own individual thing. Um, but uh, the, docu- uh, the documentary kind of chronicles her life and is really examining the conservatorship that she's been under since 2008, which I did not realize it had been 12 years now that that's been going on. Girl, I know, because we all think that, like, 2000... 1980 was only 20 years ago, so I mean... For real. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But it examines kind of everything that led to her having... um, kind of this mental break um, and having her kids taken away, which led into the conservatorship, all of the um, paparazzi and just the scrutiny from the media. Um, And no one comes off good in this documentary other than Britney Spears herself and uh, Felicia Collada, who was the, kind of family friend who um, kind of was took the place of her parents who could not do the touring with Brittany when she was in her early teen years. Um, and I forget what they called her. Um, like the administrative was... assistant or something. Yeah. They, um, her business assistant. Yeah. She was basically her chaperone because she was what, like 15, 16 when she got her record deal. And uh, Jamie Lynn, her younger sister, who rose in fame and infamy and uh, kind of went through a similar experience (laughs) with her teen pregnancy, uh, was only, I think, like, what, one or one and a half? uh, I think she was just starting kindergarten. Okay. That's kind of why. the Lynn mom couldn't go with home. her. And, yeah, for sure. And at this point in time, um, her dad was kind of out of the picture. Uh, the documentary talks about how he was kind of absent during Brittany's childhood years um, and just kind of started coming back into things when Brittany started making some money. At least this is this is the way that the documentary frames things, which... Documentaries present a lot of fact, but you know they always come from a certain point of view. So, oh, especially considering 
really only one side of the story is being presented, even though it is a docuseries, because pretty much everybody on the Spears family side and uh, who was involved in her legal team or anything like that was either didn't respond or refused to be interviewed for the the docuseries. So we're really only getting to see one-ish side of, of the entire story, for sure. Yeah, because um, the interview with the brother, that wasn't done by the documentary, right? That was just footage from a previous interview? Yeah, that was a podcast that he did that um, they got the, I guess they did a video podcast and they, they pulled that audio for it or the video from the podcast for the docuseries. Yeah, but um, kind of the big, the big point where it was kind of the decline for her and where the media started really scrutinizing her was when she uh, and Justin broke up and everyone kind of took Justin's side with, oh, Brittany must have broken his heart and done something to cheat on him. And then uh, Diane Sawyer, that Diane Sawyer interview. Uh, Diane read a statement basically saying that um, this lady said, I would shoot her if I could after what she's done to Justin. I'm paraphrasing, but that was basically it. And just right to her face. That destroyed her. Because, I mean, who wants to hear that? You don't know a person you don't know like this is a musician who's just putting out art and whether or not it's art that suits your taste or not like that's that's fine be whatever you want it to be but to sit there and and post a public statement and saying that you would shoot Britney Spears because she isn't the, the type of role model you want to see for your children go fuck yourself like that reminds me horrible it reminds me of the fans' reactions to Candy Muse and other drag race queens where they just they buy into this storyline and then get so mad in real life and like threaten people's family. I think Candy Muse specifically, her mother was threatened. Like you may not like the character presented on a show. You may not think that the perception of a of a real person in pop culture and, and in and in media entertainment is to your liking, but good God. Stop short of yourself and think that, you know, you can call out for violence against them. It's 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 like a part of escapism. It's like a it's like, um, it, you know, people glom on the things. And I feel like with with all of with everything going on with covid and everything now, I feel like that's gotten a little worse than when uh, when when was uh, when was Britney threatened? It was when when did she break up with Justin Timberlake? This is probably 2005 or 6, I want to say. Yeah. I remember my sister was upset about it, but she took Britney's side. So, but, uh, <laughs> well, but that's, yeah, no. That's, that was the big thing is that he was made, and it's the whole, the one of the parts that I really liked, especially when they were talking about when they were showing Britney on Star Search and, um, and starting like that por- portion of her life leading up to the whole Justin thing. Uh, where it was like, of course, you know, Ed McMahon is asking if she has a boyfriend. Like, what else are you going to ask a little girl about? Because that's the only thing that that matters, you know, and showing the the misogyny and the way that women are portrayed. And then to go into, you know, that breakup 
and automatically just take his side and oh he's the all-american you know like basically like the, the the quarterback of the high school team and she's just the the dirty slut that broke his heart it's like and i mean granted we're looking back at this years down the line and the way that our mental consciousness looks at all this stuff is a lot different than it was back then but it really it it hurts I don't, I don't know about you all, but it hurts me to go back and think like, oh, shit, like to laugh at these jokes and to kind of perpetuate these jokes. It's like, OK, we all really need to do better. And I think in some ways we are, in some ways we're definitely not. But it, in, some, in some ways, it's almost like the media, I think, has gotten a little better in the way they do interviews and stuff now, um, kind of after the Me Too movement worked a little bit. But as far as uh, society, Brian had it right by saying the social media, especially Twitter, the way just individuals can team up and just flood people with horrible, horrible things. Um, yeah, that's kind of crazy. how it shifted. Yeah, I, I feel like... Um... Even before Britney, just slightly before Britney, um, Paris Hilton, like Paris, Nicole Richie, Britney, like this is where a lot of that started in this um, more modern form. Because there's always been all of this kind of laying there waiting and, and the way that it's been kind of portrayed out through the media. But you had it through tabloids, you had it through... Um, longer form ways of getting it out there. And you you had to go out and consume it. You had to go stand in line at the grocery store and pick up a National Enquirer or one of the tabloid magazines around the time of Britney's downfall, around the time of Paris Hilton and, uh, and Nicole Richie bashing and all of that. That was kind of the advent of social media. You had... Facebook really coming into its own. You had Twitter starting up in 2009. So you had that instant access to be able to, to share it. You had uh, Perez Hilton and TMZ and all of these other like outlets jumping on it, which honestly is part of the reason why when, Par- when Perez Hilton sits there and says, Oh, respect my family and blah, 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 blah. Bitch, you <laughs> made your money tearing people apart. Not that I want to see anybody like do anything bad to him, but karma's a bitch. And it's really like, you should have thought about this and, and understood what you were doing to not want to have it pushed back onto you this way. And uh, I will say this Paris Hilton looks great and sounded completely different because she is in the, in this uh, episode yeah. for a brief second, but she looks really good. And I mean, like it for being, an heiress and, and, you know, an elite, she's definitely pulled out of the spotlight and it's done wonders for her. I mean, I don't hear much about her anymore, except randomly if she's, well, I mean, obviously in COVID not, but when she DJs or something, something will pop up about that, but don't really hear anything from her about it. That's what yeah. I liked about this special. I think even though it sort of laid the case for how we've got to the situation with her uh, her conservatorship, I think 
what it did really well is explore like how somebody can be driven from fame into wanting to just have a quiet, uneventful life and all of the missteps and ridiculous moments along the way that were it not for her attention, like who she was and the media, especially the uh, paparazzi, a lot of people had these lives where they get into custody disagreements. They go out in the town drinking and make bad choices. They get tattoos or have their head shaved or whatever. Like this is not abnormal life, but what's abnormal is the fact that this person's life is being documented so thoroughly and invasively. And then I what that very would do attacked to right now. I'm just, <laughs> I feel very attacked. This was my moment. But, I do think she's also a very special case because of the idea of the conservatorship itself, because of how young she is to be in a position like that. Yeah. And even, even that, um, she was a lawyer, right? But, um, on the documentary, um, there was a lawyer or legal aid that was interviewed. Oh, Um, Yes. That, that that had been working on Jamie Spears' side. Not, uh, yeah. Um, and since had gone back to work for Jamie Spears, um, the dad, not Jamie Lynn Spears, the sister. Um, yeah. Um, but said that she did not know of anyone who had legally gotten out of a conservatorship, which I find very alarming because... In this case, yes, because what they like, what they point out is that conservatorships are usually for either severely um, diminished capacity people or for uh, much more uh, elderly persons. And you usually don't come back from that. That's not, you know, if you're in a position where your your health is degraded that much that you need a conservatorship. I can understand that, but at 27 years old, and then they they definitely highlight the fact that she went on to then put out more albums and tour and do uh, acting and guest spots on these shows. And even when the one lawyer uh, turned around and asked for a raise because of her improved like well-being and the uh, the amount of work that she's doing. And it's like, hi, red flag right here. You're now turning this into a business. Yeah. This shouldn't be a thing. And and honestly, because there have been other high-profile people who have gone through some mental issues and substance abuse issues and have not gotten into this sort of situation. Like I think about Lindsay Lohan or even Demi Lovato more recently. Um and it hasn't gotten to this point. So what was different about Brittany? Um, the only thing I can think of is that she allowed it because it was really important for her to get some sort of um, visitation rights for her kids, which um, that's kind of ultimately why she agreed to it from what the documentary says. Um and the sad part is that once you agree to the conservatorship, you can't just turn around and say, okay, I want it to be over. Yeah. And that's that was kind of the big thing. Whereas if she was really having this, you know, big mental break or, or this 
portion of her life where she wasn't in control and was just like, I just, if this is going to help me see my kids and, and all of that, you make those choices. And sometimes it's, it's really tough to see the, the outcome of that because there isn't a legal way to just say, okay, it's over now. But you know, that's, that's the toughest part. I think for me watching it was like, she, if she had had the forethought, if she knew then what she knows now, it would be a whole different scenario and a whole different, you know, outcome for, for all of this. And while I do think the two podcast hosts who kind of were the ones who, I guess they organized or produced this or brought the story to the New York times, or they're kind of leading the free Britney movement. Um, I can't remember what the name of their podcast is. Um, it examined the what? I'm sorry. Brittany Graham. Yeah. Um, I do think they are going a little far looking that deep into Brittany's Instagram posts and such. Um, it seems a little extreme, but I do applaud them for bringing a lot of what's going on to the public eye because I don't think a lot of people would know anything about the conservatorship or terms or whatnot were if no one was talking about it. Yeah, yeah they absolutely. definitely added that hashtag to the to pop culture. Um, but what I was struck by was you had this duality of invasive journalism, if you will, between the paparazzi uh, kind of exploiting Britney's life and then these podcasters and people who pour themselves into the free Britney movement as a way of like trying to help her. And it's it's an interesting duality because they are very different motivations. But there's an energy there that bothers me for both sides. There's a, a fervor of celebrity not the, the the paparazzi, maybe less so, but the fans that drive the paparazzi. And then the fans that drive these kind of podcasts and other efforts, that, that, that energy can be so unstable. You can go from such a loving, amazing, like hero worship kind of thing to like stalker, obsessive. So the I think this documentary did a great job of, of casting those two as opposites, but also showing that there's some common DNA. Well, yeah, I mean, Dave Holmes kind of being uh, juxtaposed to that whole thing where they were talking about uh, Britney's Instagram posts and, and all of that. And I mean, and this is where conspiracy theories get their traction, because some of that shit was really kind of if you looked at it and you said, hey, I'm going to look at this with a conspiracy theory hat. It looks really um, promising because, I mean, there were videos where it was like. People would put comments of, Brittany, if you're in trouble, wear a white hat in your next video. And then Brittany, you know, there it is, the next video, Brittany's wearing a white hat. And everybody's like, okay, we're on to something. Uh, but then you had Dave Holmes, uh, who was like, if you are looking for something, you're going to find a way to find it. Which is how could... The energy of the podcasters and some of the Free Brittany fans reminds me a little of when I listened to the missing Richard Simmons podcast and how, oh, yeah. how kind of it all seemed credible, but then you get to the end and Richard coming out himself, like saying, Hey, I'm fine. Leave me alone. 
kind of thing. Have you guys, you heard the term apophenia? Does that, I think we've talked about it before. So uh, you see this a lot with QAnon. You see this with uh, religions and like, and this kind of thing. You certainly see this with the, you know, is she trying to send us a message? Oh, wait, she did this, then that. So the brain, human brain loves to make patterns. That's just like what it's good at. That's what it's evolved to do. And even if that pattern isn't real, the brain's still going to find them. Um, it reminded me of the first season of Search Party where the characters are trying to solve this mystery and find this 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 little this, this, this woman and the the conspiracy theory that they develop, the the journey that they go on, the conclusions they reach ultimately end up sort of being like not the case. And it's because they got spun up into it. So all of this is so interesting and so very human uh, to see applied in this just horrible situation. But again, in, in, in Britney's space uh, case, it may have actually benefited her. So, you know, (laughs) it's a, it's an interesting resolution and it's not resolved. I mean, the latest court case did peel back some of the powers that, uh, Lynn, Jamie, Jamie's the dad, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so weird having a kid named after both your parents. I just want to put that out there. If any of you are (laughs) thinking about that, please don't. It's just creepy as fuck and very southern in a bad way um but yeah i mean i mean technically she's not because his name is james so (laughs) i mean (laughs) it's you know so as a junior in my family like there were times where where like my dad would my dad my dad would get weird about people calling me bj but like when people would call us both byron we wouldn't know who they were talking to yeah. So like, so 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 I just have the nickname BJ. Well, like one time he was like, he's like, well, I don't like you having a nickname, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Do you want people to call me by your name just because you want to hear your name? And he's like, yes. And I'm like, okay, that's weird, and we're not doing that. And I was like, <laughs> kids are not clones. Kids are not clones they are an extension of you in a certain (laughs) respect but that is is that is it don't agree with it you see pictures of me as a child and you see my dad i mean honestly pretty fucking close to being a clone and i'm a junior also and i grew up with the nickname pj because you know it, it just that's how it was but yeah jamie spears and lynn spears and their offspring jamie lynn spears so what I was saying with all that is Jamie James, sorry, did have some of his power pulled back recently. So there was a minor court case victory. And I well, don't remember. Well, did it happen right after the, the documentary? Because the, there's two parts of the conservatorship. There's the the personal conservatorship, which kind of handles like her day-to-day doctor's appointments, health-related stuff. And then there's the financial conservatorship. And James had pulled himself away from the kind of personal one and was kind of just the sole financial one. And then recently, the court allowed Brittany to appoint a bank to be kind of a co-conservator over the financials. Yes, that's where the documentary ends, or this docuseries episode ends, is that uh, her, her dad, Jamie, isn't wasn't removed he wouldn't step down as her financial or her estate conservator mm-hmm. where she was asking. She has said that she is scared of her dad. She does not get along with her father. Um, nobody really knows what happened when he 
stepped down as her uh, personal conservator, but they cited health, his uh, decreased health. With the estate conservatorship, he wouldn't step down. The judge wouldn't remove him, but the, she did. The judge did allow the bank that Brittany wanted to be added on as a co-conservator. In early February, February twelfth, I guess her dad Jamie decided he wanted to basically pursue taking over a sole conservator again for her estate. The judge denied that. So it's at least a bit of a win in that respect that the judge is kind of listening. So it's definitely a step in the right direction, but it's nowhere near the outcome that should be reached at this point. And that was a big point at the end of the, uh, the, the docuseries episode was there's a bit of a conflict of interest here because Brittany's paying for all of this because if her dad is her conservator, she's not only paying for herself and her legal fees, She's also paying for him and his legal fees and all of this is being tapped into out of this money. And it's just crazy. Justin, nothing happened to him. <laughs> he still got to do the Super Bowl again and rip uh, Janet Jackson's uh, chest guard off and free the nipple, as it were. Uh, she was going to pull a titty out. And he... He did recently, after the documentary came out, release an apology, which seemed very uh, written by some sort of PR agent. (laughs) (laughs) And honestly, I I mean, I'm not pretty spears, so I can't uh, say one way or the other, but too little too late at this point. For real? Honestly... If you, if she's been going through all of this and just, yeah, it's just, it's coming, it's way too late, especially after that whole incident with Janet at the Super Bowl and then Justin got to come back. Yeah. And do it again and be a part of the Super Bowl again, where Janet's career has been tanked because of all of this. So it, it just, it's it's really gross. And honestly, the one thing that was a bit enlightening for me was the whole head shaving and um, umbrella attack. Because it all kind of gets conflated. I, and I guess the, the farther away we are from it, it all kind of feels like it's the same thing. Like she just ran into a barbershop one night, grabbed clippers, buzzed her head, and then grabbed an umbrella and started beating a paparazzi's car. And to see that whole thing laid out and how it happened... Honestly, I don't. I feel bad for even making fun of her for wanting to shave her head, bitch. I've done it. I've gone through shit in my life and been like, okay, and just taken clippers and buzzed my head, whatever. And then the one guy who followed her back and forth from you know Kevin Federline's house to behind the Jiffy Lube to back to the house, then it was coming. I'm just going to ask you some questions, and then. By the second time when she couldn't see her kids, she freaked out and started going buck nutty on his car. And then he turned around and said, I don't think that the paparazzi had anything to do with her declining mental health. And he and he says, well, she never she never gave us a clue that um, she didn't want us around her. And the interviewer's like, well, what about these documented times where she did? <laughs> And he's like, How about she, well, well, she, she, only meant, she only meant for that day. 
She didn't mean forever. Oh, man. Nobody means forever. God, so bad. Uh, any last uh, things that you want to add on to this, Eric? This topic? No, it was just really well put together. Um, and I think anyone who's ever been a fan of Britney or her music uh, should go out and watch it. Absolutely. Even if you're not a huge Britney Spears fan, it is fascinating to watch and kind of see the the twists and turns and maybe even take it in as a warning and a bit of a, a piece to kind of sit there and say, hey, maybe I shouldn't go on to Twitter and talk shit about somebody or I don't need to put, you know, somebody's name out there or send them death threats. Cause honestly, that is the lowest form of life out there right now. But even just to sit there and be like, Oh, this person doesn't deserve to, to do this, or this person doesn't deserve to be on this show or any of that shit. Just, Hey, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't a fan of how that episode ended. All right. Well, you know, I'm let, cheer on, I'm hashtag team this person and just support the person that you want to support. You know, I wasn't a huge fan of the way this last episode of Drag Race ended. But one, <laughs> I, I knew I, I knew how it was going to go down again because I've read spoilers. So I knew that neither of those two was going home. But there was a little moment where I was like, wow, maybe all of the spoilers have been wrong. And this person does go home this early. And uh, <laughs> and then when it, it all happened the way that it did and nobody went home, I was like, I mean, I expected that. But at the same time, I'm not going to sit there and be like, oh, this person is horrible. Why? Like, Although the only thing I will say about that episode is that how the fuck was Tina Burner in the bottom? I get that she fucked up that one part, but that one part was not bottom three worthy. Who are the three mm-hmm. safe people would you have put in the bottom three? Just real quick. Either Utica or Elliot, probably. Probably Elliot more than Utica. Yeah, but... yeah, I agree. I would have put Utica in there because I thought, wait, sorry, no, Elliot, not Utica. Elliot's was rough. I like Utica's uh, Utica. Utica. It just, yeah, there, I mean, it just wasn't. Yeah. Anywho, that's yeah, a whole different yeah. topic. But that is uh, the New York Times presents its uh, FX in conjunction with Hulu. Uh, season one, episode six, Framing Britney Spears. It is available on Hulu, so if you have it, go check it out. Um, and just fucking try not to be an asshole online. Like, these are real people <laughs> out there. So uh, that is our first topic. BJ, why don't you kick us off with uh, topic number two? So a little thing happened called a uh, Nintendo Direct. Um, happened uh, by the time of this recording about a couple days ago. <laughs> um uh, and we got a we got a we got a big view of all this upcoming stuff uh, for Nintendo. Although everybody was really just waiting to find out what they were releasing for the 35th anniversary of Legend of Zelda, and uh, they uh, are releasing a uh, Skyward Sword HD um, remaster, uh, which is interesting because. I don't think I ever played Skyward Sword. That was that was one of the that was the only that was one of the ones for the Wii, right? Uh, uh yes. Wii U. Wasn't it Wii U? Uh it had motion control, so I think it was Wii. And then it yeah. ported to the Wii U. It did port to the Wii U, but it that that I think is one of the only Zelda games that hasn't been 
like ported to the switch um so uh, everybody's excited about that uh let me see there was uh another smash brothers fighter pass okay so i understand that super smash brothers ultimate has some really cool characters and interesting characters i just need them to add another character that I recognize, either something not from Fire Emblem <laughs> or something not from Xeno, Z, one of the Xenogear series. Like, I would appreciate another Sonic character uh, and, and anybody else. I just, uh, just the last couple of uh, releases other than Sephiroth have been like, yeah, that's another person with a sword that looks like an anime character. Um, <laughs> Uh, uh, then they uh, they also announced uh, Miitopia, which if you had a Nintendo DS a long time ago, there was like this sort of pseudo RPG game that you could play with your uh, with your me. Uh, this one seems a lot more in depth, so that looks pretty cool. Um, and for those of you that really really want to throw your controller at the screen, they're releasing a Ninja Gaiden Master Collection. Um, I don't know if any of y'all played that Ninja Gaiden that was released for, I believe it was released for the Xbox years and years ago. I haven't um, played Ninja ori- Gaiden this since... Or- this is an original NES Ninja Gaiden? No. 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 Uh, it's no, Ninja this was- Gaiden Sigma or something? Sigma, Sigma 2, and Sigma 3. Yes. Um... Yeah, that game. Oh, I'm sorry. Ninja Gaiden Three: Razor's Edge. My apologies. I don't want anybody getting mad that I, <laughs> I misquoted a title for death, death threats. Death threats. <laughs> Nin, 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 I was gonna say Ninja Gaiden Sigma was like the Souls game before the Souls game came out. I mean, I don't think I'd ever played a game more difficult than Ninja Gaiden Sigma before I played Bloodborne. Um, so if you feel like frustrating yourself for for all hell. That is coming to the Switch. Uh, no More Heroes 3. Um, that's a series that I'm slowly catching up on. That's a lot of fun. Oh, and we, we've got a uh, Hyrule Warriors Age of Calamity expansion pass. Um, I'm I'm a little bit ex- I'm excited about that. Um, they have a re-release of Ghosts and Goblins, like the original one. Yes. That looks like a Flash game. Uh, they all, everything looks like a Flash game nowadays, <laughs> I swear. True. Like, remaster means, like... Like the colors are a little weird, and yeah, it's 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 the HDization of classic gaming that makes it look like a flash game. I feel like, yeah. Um, Oh, they're doing a physical release. I don't know if any of you guys played the game Hades. Oh yeah, they're doing a physical release of Hades. Um, So for those of you that don't do the digital only games, uh, there is a physical release of Hades coming out soon. Uh, Bravely Default 2, uh, a related That's huge. Game. Bravely Default is a huge series that a lot of people love, so that's a big I, one. I've never, you know what, I've never, I never played it because I was, I had a DS for like a hot second, and then I got a Switch and my DS firmly fell into obscurity. Um, but I, that's one series I've been kind of keeping my eye on. Um and then that's uh, there's another monster here, uh, Monster Hunter Rise. Uh, this one has more of an Asian aesthetic than the previous one, uh, Monster Hunter World. Um, but it, honestly, I didn't hear you also... mention what a lot of people thought was the biggest, which is Splatoon. I that's <laughs> BJ, BJ BJ. I know you are a gamer, so 
And I, you also are like on, well, you sort of on Twitch. I mean, (laughs) you're one of your, one of our mutual friends and one of your close friends, John, like, like there's a lot of people like him that love Splatoon. Really? Yeah. I just, I just couldn't. I, I mean, it's on his third iteration, so I'm sure somebody out there is yeah. loving it. It's a big yeah. deal, though, for some communities, and I don't know. I don't get it. Like, I think it's fine. It reminds me of uh, Mario Sunshine in a not great way. Uh, <laughs> in that you're, like, you know, spewing ink and cleaning it. Anyway, I just know that it's a big deal for a lot of gamers. So uh, that's that was probably the, the biggest title that they announced. But kind of the one I was most interested about was... And this was just a working title. It's not an actual game title, but Project Triangle Strategy. Oh, yeah. Um, which, it's kind of a cross between Octopath, tra- um, Octopath, Octopath Traveler yeah. and uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Which, Final Fantasy Tactics is one of my all-time favorite games. Yep. So, while I, don't have, while I don't you have ta- a Switch, I find this game pretty interesting. You Tactics what, Queens, I swear. What I... What I love about what Nintendo's doing here, and this is sort of worth maybe explaining like why this is all kind of like eh news, like none of it's huge tentpole, is they're developing a really good ecosystem for independent games and oh, yeah. smaller titles that are cheaper in development terms, but also they're cheaper. Like you can sell a lot more of them. And you see this happening in the fiction market, like the Kindle publishing and all this where shorter fiction can be priced really cheap and sell really well, eBooks, whatever. So like casual gaming sliding into a little bit more than casual gaming where you're paying a little bit like steam's been doing this really well. uh, And then then Nintendo came along and did this for the switch. So that is sort of why, even though this wasn't like, Oh my God, earth shattering franchise news other than Splatoon again. I feel like there's a lot of stuff out there. That, like Hades is huge. Hades is yeah. huge. Um, and the series, the, the the creative team that did Hades did um, Bast is it Bastion, and then a couple other games like that. Like, uh, yeah, they did. Uh, they did Bastion and um, uh, the one where you take uh, you use programs as your main attacks. Uh, yeah, I, I I can't remember that. But you play as a singer. But they're um, they're inexpensive games or yeah. less expensive, I should say, and they sell so well on these like Steam and Nintendo platforms. So 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 don't don't feel like even though again it wasn't shockingly amazing like media news, I, I am very impressed with what Nintendo has transitioned to in the gaming market. You see this with Epic trying to kind of compete with Steam by having their Epic game store. Like this is like where a lot of stuff is going. So um, you know. Yeah. Makes sense then more. Also, you you have E3 and these other big uh, spotlights for gaming news. So what doesn't get announced at Nintendo Direct will probably get announced. And, and some of these bigger announcements, like maybe something bigger for Zelda, um, could be at an E3 because they want that spotlight during that form. And, you know, where Nintendo Direct is, that's they are the spotlight. They have their own person working in the spotlight. They've got their own uh, stage tech. They've got their, you know, it's completely in-house. So, yeah, put all out, put out all of this stuff. You know, Mario um, uh, accoutrement for Animal Crossing. Uh, Mario That's Golf. That's huge. Oh, yeah. Mar- Mario Golf Super Rush. I've never been into those weird, like, Mario sports offshoot games. But there's, like, an actual mode in this game where your your goal is to, like, 
finish all 18 holes first. So you like run like you literally are. It's like a weird it's like a weird hodgepodge between Mario Golf and Mario Kart at some point. It's super weird. But I actually when they announced that, I was like, "Okay, now you have my attention. You mean I can throw a turtle shell at somebody? I'm down. Like, (laughs) And my my favorite part of the announcement um, is not even a game. It's the fact that they have some extremely gorgeous Joy-Cons that are Skyward Sword themed. Ah, uh, so pretty. So <laughs> really nice. Good luck getting them because, oh my God, it's going to be a fucking crazy mess to try to... You can get a yeah. PS5 before you get those. And and speaking to what you just said, Brian, uh, they did, uh, they added Fall Guys. They're yeah. adding Fall Guys to it. I know, no, that's a huge title. <laughs> yeah, no, Fall Guys is, I mean, I... I got into the trend early, like right when like it was starting to get crazy and people were playing it on uh, Twitch all the time. It's 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 fun. It's a dumb, fun game that is very social battle royale style. I think a lot of people are going to really appreciate and enjoy it. And I don't know what their price point is, but if it's like like 20 bucks or cheaper, I think you're going to have a lot of people uh, buying it. And and it's portable. That's the other thing is a switch is portable. And that is so that is an important use case that like Steam and Epic they can't do as much. So the fact that you have this handheld console that's also a really powerful game console and you marry that with these kind of like lower tier games, that is got to be doing some really I I, I will let me just be honest. I do own <laughs> Nintendo stock now because of Robin Hood. I bought like one share. Uh like this does not make me in any way biased or I, I trying don't to think like, anybody's gonna short sell Nintendo in the future. I don't think you're gonna oh God. Bank but I'm just the... saying they have been doing very well in their stock. I, I have been impressed with I, I think I think it's not doubled, but I think it's like like twenty bucks, thirty bucks up from when I bought it. So I mean, like they're doing something right. Yeah. Um, I actually, uh, just in other gaming news, um, for those of you that are of the PC um, race, the the, P- the the pure-blooded PC race game players, um, Epic uh, officially has all of the Kingdom Hearts games on their store. I will die on this hill forever. Um, but yeah, so that, that is up for PC players. Um, anybody is interested in the Kingdom Hearts series. However... The price is a bit much, so honestly, I would just wait till the price comes down some because they're, it's like they're charging the full original price of the games, even though they've been out for like twenty plus years at this point. Oh, so you're talking about the big uh, collection that has all the games on one? Yeah. Thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. Everybody should get the Epic Store, and here's why: Fortnite's an amazing game; you should totally play it. But the other thing is that's that's <laughs> like the you know, you get free games every month. They, yep. It's kind of like the PS4, but you don't even have to pay. Like, you don't even have to have the PS Plus, you know? And, like, they have had uh, Apex Legends. Uh, gosh, what else? Um, uh, Star Wars Battlefront, I think, was one. Star Wars Battlefront, yeah. This, like, there's some surprisingly um, A-list titles that show up for free, and all you have to do is have an Epic uh, game account. Um, I Again, I have Fortnite and uh, Squadrons, and so those two are on Rage, there, But Rage 2 is currently free. Uh, yes, yes, I just downloaded. I, I just, I just added that to my account. You don't even have to download it. You just have to add it to your profile, like the PS Plus, and then you can go back uh, later. So, definitely recommend it if you're on PCs. Um, other than that, there was uh, the uh, uh, there's a, a Capcom Arcade Stadium, and I believe that one's free. Um, so if you haven't uh, gone to the Nintendo Store and picked that up, and it's just got some old 
uh, remastered uh, Capcom arcade games that you probably can't find even at the the retro arcades that are uh, bars that are probably still closed right now due to COVID. Um, and they added Florida. Yeah, unless you're in Florida. Um, they also added Apex Legends um, and a, a new game coming up, uh, Star Wars Hunters and Plants vs. Zombies Battle for Neighborville uh, Complete Edition. So those were the the kind of outliers of the uh, of the event. But uh, definitely, uh, if you have never played Zelda Skyward Sword, um, it looks it looks pretty. Uh, just some of the updates they did on it, and you don't have to do the motion controls. A lot of pe- I've heard a lot of people complain about the motion controls. Uh, you can actually use a regular controller with it if you want. But uh, but yeah, that was uh, Nintendo Direct. Uh, not uh, super exciting, but still some good stuff in there. I'm on the fence about Splatoon 3. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Nintendo Direct. Uh, if you are interested, go uh, just Google it. And there's lots of information out there. Go find out about uh, Splatoon 3, BJ's favorite game. <laughs> His game of 2022. It'll take him that long to get around to getting it, so it'll be fine. <laughs> we hope that you're enjoying this episode and all of the other content that we're putting out for you as Flame On. If you would like to uh, help support us, you can do that in a number of ways. First, by following us on your favorite social media platform. And to do that, it's even easier than before. Because after, I don't remember how long, but I know that I've been talking about redesigning the flameonshow.com website for a while now. It is finally a reality. There's a brand new website. Woo! Yay! The crowd goes mild. Uh, we have a brand new website at flameonshow.com. Go check it out. I think it's very snazzy. There's uh, different sections on there for you uh, where you can follow along with us either on uh, social media or on uh, YouTube or, or any of those. All of those different sections are up there. There is even a section for your support, including going to our Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash flameonshow and becoming a patron at one of our current four levels. We have new four new levels that will be debuting here very soon. And uh, those will be the new tiers for you to join and support our show at. Um, but just underneath that, if you scroll down just a little bit further, there is actually a link and a big old graphic that uh, takes you to our Threadless store. We haven't talked about our Threadless store. I think I set that up almost two years ago. And we barely talk about it. <laughs> but it is there. If you are in the market for uh, some new swag, you want some t-shirts, you want a tank top. Um, I think there's tank tops. I have to go back and double check. But I know there's t-shirts, there's baseball tees, the tricolor tees. Um, there's phone covers. There are masks. If you want to be fashionable and uh, support Flame On. It's there. Uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff up there. So go check out our Threadless store. Go to flameonshow.com. All of our links are there. All of our links for our Twitch channels for uh, Eric's, even though he has not been doing much on there. Uh, we're still sending people to Eric's Twitch channel to go sign up. You'll get notified when he goes live for the first time. Uh, <laughs> there's a link to uh, Brian's where you can catch our Rainbow Spotlight episodes on Mondays. Or you can uh, check him out uh, when he is playing either Fortnite or one of his other uh, games, including the uh, Japanese uh, survival RPG. Uh, 
our YouTube link is there. There's a gallery, uh, our YouTube gallery with our rainbow spotlight interviews. So go check out our brand new website and then message me and tell me how much you love it because I put in some hard work on that. And uh, I think it's a really awesome website. So go check it out. There is a desktop and a mobile version. So um, go see all of that in its gloriousness at flameonshow.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. All right, let's get into the back half of our episode with Brian's topic. Brian, take us away. I just want to say the new website looks fantastic. I just went on, which was looking at t-shirts. Uh, you can find tank tops. I just want to, you know, people should know. And I think this is what I'm getting, long sleeve t-shirts, which now that I am in a much colder climate, I'm going <laughs> to need more of. <laughs> and hoodies. Oh, pullover hoodies. Oh, look at that in a lovely purple. Oh my gosh, it's great. So That's um, new. That was, I added the hoodies, I believe. That was oh. one of the things. I went in and was just like, let's start adding stuff for people to buy. <laughs> and you have I different love the tricolor things. t-shirt. That's my favorite. Yeah. Oh, and the tri blend, the material. Oh, I love that material. All right, great. So I'll be ordering <laughs> some more of those here in a second. Um <laughs> So I wanted to talk about comics because I feel like we started this flame on endeavor almost 10. Was it, did we decide it's 10 in June? June 1st is the official 10 year anniversary of flame on. And That's so crazy. We need to do something big for it. We, we haven't talked about it as a group, but no dear listeners that we are going to do something special to commemorate the, uh, the 10 year anniversary of flame on. Oh yes, I, 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 yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna think of something fun. But anyway, I, we started Flame on years ago. I, I started it specifically as a way to talk about comics on a podcast. Uh, so I, I wanted to kind of bring that back. And even though I've got a few other pop culture things I could talk about, I yeah, we'll, we'll talk later, uh, other episodes. But yeah, and, and I talk all the time on Twitch, so I, I don't need to repeat myself. Um, so comic books, uh, I know Pat is reading a lot of, uh, house of uh, house of X, it's not called house of X anymore. It's the X-Men books. <laughs> uh, uh, we're in the reign of X, I believe. Reign of X. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We'll make it rain. But I'm not talking about that today either, because I feel like that we've, we've definitely kept up a bit. Uh, plus they're on a little bit of a break. I think the main book's taking a hiatus for like a month or something. Anyway, whatever. We're the other thing. The Hellfire Gala. Oh, oh that sounds uh, sexy. Um, so. I want to talk about the other big Marvel thing going on, which is the uh, King in Black. Uh, so I don't know. This is a little Marvel deep 
culture lore kind of thing. But um, for a while now, there's been this, uh, this, this character out there called Null. And Null is this uber high-end fancy god of Venoms, or symbiotes, I should say. Venom being probably the most famous symbiote. Uh, so this god of darkness, uh, Null, has been pulling strings in the background, uh, causing little things to happen in the Marvel Universe for a while. But uh, the writer Donny Cates for this series, uh, this uh, epic event series for Marvel, uh, King in Black, is bringing Null to Earth and bringing this whole big God of Darkness saga to a head. Um, it's drawn by Ryan Stegman, who I don't always love the style. And this is just a preference. He's a great artist. I just don't always... Uh, uh, it's not my style, not my, not my preference, but this book is served by Stegman's art. It is a very, very dynamic, uh, lots of characters in it. Like everybody's in it. Even the X-Men, the X-Men actually get a prominent role, which I think, thank God. Finally, they came out of Krakoa. They took a portal. They're actually getting to play with the toys. It's really awesome. But Ryan Stegman's doing some great work drawing all of them. There's this moment where uh, the X is like Storm and uh, Invisible Woman and, and, and Cyclops and Thor, like they all get like super powered, charged and do this whole crazy push to like destroy the symbiote, uh, symbiotes that are taking over the world. Like some cool stuff. It's really cool, like playing with all the toys. But that's not the most interesting thing. At its core, this book has this relationship of Eddie Brock, who is Venom, right? Uh, it's his son, and um, his son's been around for a while. I didn't read a lot about him. Um, so I'm kind of catching up with some of the, like, you know, uh, basically I'm reading Wikipedia, but, you know, I'm trying to catch <laughs> up with the things that take place. Uh, but his son, Dylan, has this power that sort of scares and is also a threat to Null. Uh, you know, spoilery kind of territory here. Null is basically taking over the whole world. This is where you get crazy symbiote versions of superheroes and villains uh kind of like they did with the uh spider-man event um oh gosh planet no island venom island venom island carnage village whatever that whatever that (laughs) so they they um they did i think it was uh there was an event called like total carnage that where, yes, that's an old long time ago. I'm talking about more recently. They did something where they like the, did the, the same idea. That one, that one was Maximum Carnage. Uh, the, this one is um, Carnage was actually actively trying to bring back Null okay. um, to let him go, and he was actually going to go eat. He needed to consume all. He needed to consume a certain number of codexes, which go on the spine of people that have had a symbiote. And he literally went like tore through a graveyard of dead heroes and just like gobbled up a ton of like dead hero spines because uh, even if they're dead, they hold the codex. Uh, huh. So that's that was kind of the beginning of the whole null. Um, they've they've been building a while well, uh, to this. Yeah. So Donny Cates has been talking about null in his limited Silver Surfer series, Silver Surfer Black, like where basically Silver Surfer fights null and ends up getting kind of symbiotized so to speak. Um, so all of that's cool, but yeah, this Dylan thing, um, this, this Eddie Brock's son uh, point. And I mean, and even Eddie Brock is getting some of the most amazing uh, work his character's gotten in a while. In fact, so much. So, I mean, again, we're, we're kind of di- dipping into spoilers here. Uh, they kill Eddie Brock, like very early on the, the whole null onslaught, you know, Venom tries to take on this King in black and loses and then, and dies ostensibly, not really. 
Um, in fact, they didn't even let that linger. It basically was like, he's dead. Oh, wait, no. In this last issue uh, that came out uh, that we're talking about, uh, this God of light kind of concept is introduced. And so the God of darkness, obviously God of light, it's very, very Manichaean, very, you know, whatever, good and evil. Um, and yeah, God of light's uh, kind of a force. And they talked about this force in the abstract. And so you think, well, that's cool, but I, you know, maybe it's somebody we already know. Maybe it's a force we already know. I will be honest. They had Jean Grey talking about this because she pulled the memories of this out of Null's brain. And I'm sitting there like, oh my God, this is going to be the fucking Phoenix Force. But they're doing other stuff with the Phoenix Force. And so I don't know that that's why they didn't go that route. But either way, it was a swerve. And they pull this thing from way back called the Enigma Force, which uh, if you're an old school Marvel reader is like this thing that powered Captain Universe not Captain Marvel, Captain Universe, uh, which I remember reading um, when they had uh, stuff, Quasar, the one of my favorite, actually, Marvel cosmic uh, heroes, Quasar, interacted with uh, Captain uh, Universe, uh, and I think became Captain Universe at one point. Either way, that's the god of light. That's the power of light. And the Silver Surfer kind of helps bring it into the world. And it shows up kind of like a Green Lantern ring and goes straight to Eddie Brock. So, so Eddie is, Brock is a white lantern. That's exactly right. It's a very, <laughs> it's very much. It feels like that. Yes, but the that's chrom- fine. Because, Chromatica Wars. Oh my God, Chromatica Wars! That'd be fucking amazing. Isn't that They're basically all like, Oreos? Oh, Can I just quick aside here? I was watching a digital drag show last night, and they actually had. I'm not making this up. They did some great drag. I mean, don't get me wrong. It was a, it was a fun show. Uh, digital drag chickens or free range drag. That's what it was. So they had an ASMR chromatica Oreo eating uh, <laughs> thing that you would unlock if you, if they were trying to raise money for a charity. And if you donated, like they got to a certain number, they, they actually had the fucking chromatica. Oreos. <laughs> it was so stupid, but I'm like, this is amazing. Twitch is so crazy for these kind of, anyway, does not matter. Does not affect Marvel whatsoever. All right. So, <laughs> Uh, important stuff here, right? And so yeah, King of- just as a, uh, a heads up, Absolute Carnage was the 2019 follow up to Maximum Carnage, where all of this started happening, which That's- is what BJ was talking about. Okay, awesome. I was thinking of some other event too, but yes, I, I was reading too while we were talking, and yeah, I didn't realize Downey Cates and Stegman did the Absolute Carnage as well. So absolutely, it's all a continuation and build up of this whole thing that Downey Cates is doing. But either way, it's a lot of fun. Uh, if you like big events, it, you can't go, you can go wrong with big events. You can really do stupid events. I mean, there's many events you can point to in Marvel's history that didn't always work out well. I think this is interesting. And even if you don't know anything about the Enigma Force or this is, this is, doesn't matter, does not matter whatsoever. It's a, still a fun story, very grounded by the father, a father and son's sort of journey. So I, I highly recommend that for fun, dumb books. The other one I want to talk about real quick is a DC book. Uh, everybody loved Watchmen, the TV show that came out that sort of did a follow on to the original uh, DC graphic novel by Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Tom King and uh, Jorge Fornes are doing this Rorschach miniseries set in a contemporary sort of version of the Watchmen universe. Absolutely not um, negating what's happened in the TV show. Very much a parallel story that doesn't intersect, doesn't connect, but is brilliant the art is 
amazing. It's like Jorge Fornes has always been a great uh, illustrator, but his work here is so, so good. And what is fascinating to me is it's taking the Rorschach figure who is himself created from a, a reaction to Steve Ditko and the, uh, his Steve Ditko's uh, creations, um, the question and Mr. A uh, that are like Randian kind of uh, uh, objectivism kind of inspired, let's just say. And it's doing this thing in, as a comic book. We're not talking like a super dense, you know, philosophical treatise here, but it's as a comic book. It's having an interesting look at that, what it means to be a Rorschach in a modern world, in politics. What are these political figures doing? There's elements of QAnon. There's elements of Trumpism. All of this is very contemporary and relevant, but through a, a lens of the Watchmen universe probably up there to me with the Watchmen TV series as one of the best derivative works. Cause it is a derivative work of the Watchmen, you know, series or uh, original series. So if you're a Watchmen fan and you miss this on your radar, Tom King is one of the best writers in DC right now. Pick this up. It's on issue four or five solid, amazing comics. Uh, you can't go wrong either way, whether you like heady, political satire or political uh, co- commentary, a philosoph- philosophical, whatever, or dumb, fun action with an emotional heart. Like comics has got you covered here. Uh, just, you know, support your LCS, buy online, do a curbside pickup, do whatever you got to do to keep your LCS open. But just, you know, obviously don't, don't go in the store and hang out without a mask. <laughs> uh, as much as I love LCSs and I love my a comic shop and all that, I'm, Still a little terrified to go to a store up here in Seattle. Uh, but yeah, so the dumb comics, great comics, smart comics, they're, they're all still being made. And you should definitely su- try to support them if you're, uh, if you're interested. Also, Tom King is a phenomenal writer in general. So I, I, it doesn't surprise me that this is another outstanding piece of work from him. And I know that um, I, I need to go into the King and Black stuff and read it. I know that it's happening, and I know that it crossed over a little bit, I think, in the latest issue of Marauders. Was that the one? Yes, they do a crossover. It's a special Marauders that crosses over, I think. <laughs> On a very special Marauders. Um, <laughs> I haven't really dove much into it. I think there's one, epi- one episode, one issue of Marauders that is missing out of the collection. I think there was I think there was a week that um, of X-Books that is not there, because... I was like, where is this story going? Or what? Oh, no, no, no. Uh, Sword. I know we're missing an, an issue of Sword. Sword is also, yep. I heard they're crossing over. And I think you're right. I think I missed. Yeah. Because I started reading issue three and I'm like, where did the, what's going on here? And I think I got through the whole thing and I'm like, oh, this is issue three. <laughs> where was it issue two? Um, but yeah, it's it's phenomenal to um it's to see like how all of this is intertwining and, and see all of these things happen. So I've never been a big symbiote fan, but I'm, I'm curious to see what King and black is all about. And I know that they're going to have a kind of shape and shift through a lot of uh, the stuff that's going on right now in the Marvel universe. And like you said, Phoenix is going to be handled differently and is being handled in the Avengers. Cause that's what we needed was to make it an Avenger. Anywho, as I'm wearing my Phoenix shirt right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, goodness. So that's King and Black over on the Marvel side and Rorschach over on the DC side, uh, being written by the one and only Tom King. 
All right. So for my topic, uh, I'm going to talk about something that I think we can all agree is phenomenal, and that is glory holes. Um, and never having seen so many glory holes in one spot, uh, the second season of Blown Away is back on Netflix. And uh, when that one contestant, when the British guy was like, I've never seen so many glory holes in one place. Instantly, it was just like, oh, well, you've never been to a bathhouse, huh? Uh, <laughs> or to the garage at Sawmill. Either or. But uh, uh, it is back for its second season. And it's a lot of the same as the first season. But it is such a fun show full of amazing artwork that's being done um uh, i at first i don't know i guess i've been watching too many of these different uh reality shows that have come out especially during uh the whole covid and during the pandemic and i originally was like wow they really just kind of americanized this first uh or the second season and really kind of took it because for some reason i there must be a different show that i was thinking about that was very European or Scottish or, or something along those lines. And I just was like, okay, I'm not feeling it. And then instantly after the first maybe 15 minutes of the episode or you know, about halfway through, I was like, okay, this is the same as it was the first season. It was enjoyable to watch. Um, glass blowing is such an interesting art and it's so intense. And you see these people just melting away and just sweating and just going through like all of this craziness and just going, okay, like this is, this is crazy. Like it's amazing to see how glass in like these little like cylinders and these different things can be turned into all of this craziness. And uh, the challenges were, were pretty awesome getting to see like having these extra people come in and help and do these, these parts of it were really kind of fun to watch and the one thing you don't get to see a lot of, especially in reality television, the straight white man was the villain of the season. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. And I was just so happy when he got eliminated <laughs> and that he didn't go to the end of the the, the show and be in the, the final and, uh, you know, the finale episode and, and, and do the final challenge and all that. Like, it was just so ridiculous because... And and I'll talk about this in uh, I'm I'm going to switch it up on my one up. I'm actually going to do a poison mushroom for mine and not a uh, a one up because <laughs> I've been watching a different reality television that is a much longer history where uh, pretty much the uh, the the worst people get the farthest <laughs> in the game. Uh, and Eric knows exactly what I'm talking about, so <laughs> we'll get to that in, a, in just a little bit, but. It was it was really nice. It was really it kind of felt again in that same vein of uh, the British Bake Off and having that that kind of wholesome quality um, competition and to see somebody who was just like I deserve to be here. Like this is all about me. To then see them kind of get their comeuppance was a really nice like change of pace. Um, I enjoyed the final two that were that were there. I'm not going to give a ton away, obviously, except for the fact that the the villain, who you'll find out really quickly, uh, doesn't make it to the end. But um, overall, I think, it I was think technically based on talent. The right person won, 
but I think the final showcase, I was more interested in the other person's art. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I, I was torn, but I liked the two that were at the end, so I couldn't be mad either way. I was really hoping it was going to be one and it was the other, but at the same time, the other was was on par with it, it's it's the type of finale that I like to see. I would rather see two people that I really enjoy and I really like make it to a final two and then be torn about like, oh, I want to see I, I'm good with either of these people winning mm-hmm. rather than, oh, I can't stand this person, but I love this person. And if they don't win, then I'm mad about it. Um, not mad to the point where I'm sending death threats or, or you know, <laughs> cursing them and their family online, but still. A pox. A pox <laughs> upon your family. Um, so, you know, seeing seeing some of that, like, it was it, it, it was good to see it turn out that way. Eric, did you get to watch uh, this season? Yes. And I love it. And I, it's such a almost hypnotizing show because the art of glass blowing it's i think because it's something that very few people have ever experienced so to see the process break down i mean like you could watch bob ross and you could theoretically do exactly what bob ross does in the comfort of your own home without too much effort everybody everybody's had a pack of crayons and colored before but how many people have ever blown glass or even knew what the process to creating a glass sculpture was eric are you telling me you don't have a full glass blowing studio in in your home i mean glory hole (laughs) no i do not um (laughs) come on glory hole Some people are trying to stay safe in COVID and there's actual recommendations out there that say glory hole is a safe way to have anonymous sex without risk of COVID exposure. I mean, no. I mean, even, it's, be- even- it's better than what I'm seeing on Twitter and whatnot. Of well, all these people just nope. doing this shit or, or on Facebook at certain places. Uh, you know, no, but it's it's just it's just fascinating and the amount of effort that goes into creating these um, sculptures and art pieces. It's it's, it's yeah. fun to watch and seeing and, them like t- take the different um, the the different like materials or the the extra bits and and rolling like the the shards on to make one type of pattern or to do those. Um, the strands and it like twists them and do all of that stuff. It's insane. Yeah, and it's it's hard because, I mean, how would you even go about find? I mean, obviously Google nowadays, but like just to find some. I want to go do this myself. Where would I look? How would how would you even? Apparently, I even you how, can. I don't, I don't even know how prevalent these are in uh, most communities. So a friend of mine who I met in uh, Orlando who lives in North Carolina has uh, had posted not long after like uh, the second season, I think, oh, was it for Valentine's Day? I think for Valentine's Day, he and his husband actually went and um, did like a glass blowing 
thing. So I guess it's kind of like uh, sipping paint. <laughs> you yeah, could- actually, yeah. There's um, if you check, um, I had some friends that went to Tampa and did it, and they uh, they had um, it was like a Groupon for it. So there's some depending on the area. I think they had to go to St. Pete. Um, but there, there are, at least I know, in, especially in art districts, they, um, yeah, you can totally go and they'll teach you how to do it. Seattle here has the Dale Chihuly uh, blown glass everything. And it's caused like this whole cottage industry of blown glass studios, sippin' blow. I mean, like pretty much all of that is is really huge here. And I only had ever heard of Chihuly and uh in passing like from my mother who like remembered seeing it you know and then the more you like look at like pike's market and all that stuff it's huge here yes i i didn't know when you said you were talking about this and you mentioned glory holes i thought back to uh the soup when they were talking about that mining show with the glory hole oh (laughs) i was like wait a minute that's still a thing okay cool but this is much more interesting Yeah, it was at um, Alaskan Gold or something like that. Uh, too funny. But yeah, I mean, it's a good show. And it's a lot of... Um, it's it's an amazing experience to watch these things be created. So it was really... It brought me back into a world of high stakes, but not high edited drama competition. Especially because there are points where... Um, they could be in the middle or towards the end of making something and having it break on its own. They don't have to worry about there being a shit ton of drama. Uh, the one guy that was the uh, the villain of the season every so often would say something shady or shitty or whatever. And I was like, all right, whatever. But it it was nice to be able to just kind of binge through it and watch it and see it unfold. And these episodes are only like 25 minutes long. So you're not devoting like 400 hours of your life to to watch the season. You know, you're devoting what maybe five hours total to watch the whole season because I think it's ten episodes total. So it's it's definitely an enjoyable binge watch competition wise. So you know if you're if you're out there and looking for something interesting, both seasons are available on Netflix. Go watch them. Um, go enjoy watching Glass Get Blown. Uh, get a bunch of your dirty-minded friends together to make all of the glory hole jokes. Uh, it's just, it's a lot of fun. So go Either check out... A drinking game. Yeah, right, right. Take a sip every time they talk about glory holes. And you're drunk in the first 20 minutes. <laughs> Good times. Uh, and they had some fun special guests. You had Bobby Burke from Queer Eye. Uh, you had the one basketball player who was like, I do glass blowing in my my spare time, and it's like this is something I never would have thought that you would do. So that's pretty awesome to see. <laughs> like, it, it's definitely uh, wholesome entertainment with a uh, a, a dirty twist in uh, just kind of some of the the joking around and, and how our minds perceive it. So check out Blown Away season two now streaming on Netflix. Boom boom. <laughs> I. <laughs> I don't have the soundboard set up to, to go through here, so <laughs> I need to get the Netflix sound. I need to get all these little sounds to add in uh, add into the the fun and uh, entertainment of this. Anywho, 
All right. So those are our topics that we're going to discuss for the month. We're going to do a uh, quick round of one ups. These are the things that are giving us life for the month of February 2021. Uh, Let's go back the other way. Brian, why don't you give us your one up? So speaking of Jean Grey, um, I wanted to mention this game because it's free this month for PlayStation uh, Plus uh, owners or members. Yeah, members. Uh, It's called Control. And uh, I had never heard of it. Uh, But then once I looked it up online, I was like, oh, this is pretty interesting and has some very um, Jean Grey-esque telekinesis powers. And you play this sort of flaxen, flaxen? Flaxen's yellow, right? So uh, darker, like a brownish red hair uh, protagonist. And... And it's very just drops you in the middle of this crazy world where you're wandering around the seemingly this bureau of government, uh, they call control, but, and it flashes you to this weird alternate space that they actually call the, uh, oh gosh, what's it, what's the X-Men, uh, astral plane. So it's got a little X-Men and little Phoenix, Jean Grey in the DNA of this, uh, series, uh, this, this, uh, game. So if you're interested in that kind of game and you like just playing and pretending you're Jean Grey and Phoenix, you should check it out. The other thing I will say <laughs> As a quick just plug slash one up, uh, there is some amazing stuff that I have been doing with the Rainbow Spotlight, and I'm not saying that because it's my stuff. I'm just saying it because I am so I'm so happy to have gotten to talk to some really interesting people. I want to give a quick shout out only because they they were so gracious with their time. Ed Luce, the guy who created Wovable Oaf, got to sit down and talk to him recently for about an hour of just some amazing uh, what basically all of his like work as a, as a cartoonist and as an art teacher, um, Brett white sat down and talked about WandaVision. So, you know, if you want something that's not behind the, the Patreon paywall, but it's a little WandaVision. We talk about it at the end of the interview. Uh, Brett white's been doing some killer work for a decider about WandaVision and talked to a lot of the creators of the show. So I really think that as a, as a, as a cool kind of side, you know, uh, reference, whatever, I would check that out. And I'm getting to talk to a really cool drag queen here from Seattle, London Bradshaw, coming up about her work doing a Black History Month themed digital drag show. She calls it Unbothered, but I think this month's a little different. But uh, yeah, London's a huge Twitch streamer, part of the Stream Queens network, uh, which uh, of which we're actually going to be partnering with uh, one of the other uh, Stream Queens on their Aphasia Speaks uh, coming up for a project with Flame On and the Rainbow Spotlight. So I, I just want to make sure everyone knows about the cool stuff that's happening. It is on YouTube, my Twitch, uh, which is Flame On Brian now, and it's on um, our Facebook page and Instagram. So please check it out. I really am proud of what's up there, and uh, I think you're going to really enjoy some of the cool uh, guests we have coming up. Awesome. Yes, and it is now easily accessible on the brand new flameonshow.com website. All you got to do is scroll down under we like to be watched or scroll all the way to the bottom and all the chicklets are right there. So, and uh, because there's only one Twitch icon there and you're the one that does the most with it, especially for flame on that one is linked straight to Brian's Twitch. So if you only see one at the bottom, go ahead and click on it. It'll take you right to his Twitch page. Uh, BJ, what is your one up for the month? Uh, Mine is Barb and star uh, go to Vista Del Mar. Um, when I tell you every, anybody who's ever lived in Florida needs to see this movie, 
you need to see this movie or anybody from Nebraska, anybody from the Midwest, uh, in all honesty, um, uh, a fr- uh, friend of ours, Pat, uh, Matt, Matt definitely needs to watch this movie because holy crap, it's, it's the trailer is super great at not even spoiling a single thing about this movie. It's, it's almost like Austin Powers meets Romy and Michelle's high school reunion. Um, it's got Kristen Wiig and uh, playing two parts. Um, the humor is is just so out there. Uh, you think it's just about these two Midwestern middle aged women like going on vacation, but it's there's just so much more going on. Um, uh, one of the one of the male leads uh, is the guy that played the sheriff in the first season of once upon a time i was staring at him the whole time like why does this this dude is far too handsome to be here what's going on um and it was written by the same team that wrote uh bridesmaids so uh it is uh me and some me and like two friends watched wandavision and then we were trying to figure out something else to watch and i i showed them the trailer for it and we just sat down and watched it and we laughed our asses off for a solid like two hours um but uh it's uh, Barb and Star uh, go to Vista Del Mar is the movie. It's it's 100% worth the rent, like the $2 rent or whatever it is. It was like 20 bucks when I looked it up. Oh, was it? I think yeah. I, I, well, was that to buy or to rent? I thought that was to rent. Maybe I had just looked at it wrong, but I was confused because I thought, oh, it'll be on HBO Max or it'll be on one of these other streams. But no, it's like you got to rent it. Uh, yeah, it's it's yeah. a Lionsgate film, so yeah, it, it it won't pop up on HBO Max till it's actually like been really. It, it was released in the any theaters that are open. It was released there, um, but it's definitely um, if you if you get some friends together and do a, like an online watch party and you each chip in two bucks, it's totally worth like a group of people getting together and like watching it um, on like a watch party sort of thing. So it's definitely worth worth seeing. Kristen, Kristen Wiig is at her Kristen Wiggiest. <laughs> oh, you mean she's not a snow leopard? Uh, actually, <laughs> without spoiling anything, <laughs> uh, you could you could mistake one of her one of the characters she plays as a parody of of a villain. Oh my goodness! It has to do with mutated mosquitoes too. Okay, all right. So. It's extra Florida, Florida e. I know they've uh, it's it's gotten a lot of attention lately. Uh, Trixie Mattel did a uh, a watch along on Twitter on Friday night, I believe it was. Uh, so I've seen a lot of comments because of, uh, because <laughs> of that. Uh, so that is Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Uh, yeah, it is pretty much uh, if you're going to be renting it by yourself, twenty bucks on all of the streaming platforms from YouTube to Google Play, movies and TV to Apple TV Plus, Vudu, Amazon Prime Video, all of that. Uh, which makes me think I need to go back and uh, I need to see Ant- uh, Antebellum. I never got around to watching that when it was actually out, and then I was at Target last week or a little over a week ago, and I saw the DVD. So. Maybe it'll think, be on a streaming platform soon. I think they posted that up on Hulu. You might want to check Hulu for that one. Oh, I'm, I'm going to have to check because uh, Sonic the Hedgehog is now available to stream on Hulu. Yep. <laughs> it was, uh, when I put it up on my TV, it was the uh, that big, uh, you know, the <laughs> first big spot. It was like, watch Sonic the Hedgehog. And I'm like, 
nope, I'm good. <laughs> All right, Eric, what is your one up? Okay, quick couple, a couple quick shout outs to Disney Plus. Obviously, WandaVision, uh, but. Um, all of the original series of the Muppets is up on Disney Plus right now, as well as um, the Rodgers and Hammerstein uh, Cinderella. With, Impossible. Uh, with uh, Brittany and Whitney. Uh, with Brandy and Whitney. Sorry. <laughs> Brittany, Got Brittany on the brain. By their powers combined. Um, Impossible. But my uh, one up is sports, um, specifically curling, uh, Canada curling. Because right now on ESPN3, you can watch the Scotties, which is the uh, women's national championship in Canada, followed by the Briar, which is the men's, followed by their mixed doubles, followed by uh, the men's world championship. So that is a lot of curling to take you through mid-April on ESPN3, um, which is a lot of good nerd sports. I am frustrated, just like Barb and Star, because I don't have a way to watch this without paying a lot of money. <laughs> but I did find out from one of our fellow Orlando Curling members that uh, they're putting them not live up on YouTube. So if you want to watch the Scotties or the Briars, whatever, any of that stuff. Sorry, I'm terrible at the terminology, even though I should know this stuff. They are going up on, uh, is it TSN's YouTube? But if you just look on YouTube, you'll find them. They're just not live. And yeah, so those of us who don't have cable anymore, uh, or pay for ESPN Go or whatever the hell that oh, I, I just I, I just upgraded my um, Hulu to add on the live TV, which includes ESPN because it's not ESPN Plus, which that is their streaming service that has a lot of the outlier sports, but for some reason doesn't include the main ESPNs. Um, so. But just ESPN for a Plus weeks. is part of the whole Disney Plus package, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Yep. Oh, you so, went fancy and got the Hulu Live TV. Did you do Hulu Live TV with no ads, though? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> Who watches ads? <laughs> well, I mean, when you watch live TV, you have to watch ads. Like, that's, yeah. you know, whatever. But, yeah, when I, when I had that, I was like, there has to be a way. Because you actually have to, like, go in and seek it out. Because when they go to the upgrade options, that's not one of the first options, like, right there. But, yeah. No, good on you. Getting some curling in your life, even during all this craziness. All right. So, it's time for my one-up, which isn't a one-up. It's a poison mushroom. uh, (laughs) Because it has consumed my life, uh, pretty much. (laughs) And I'm not quite sure why or how or what all it's about. But um, I've been watching Survivor. And I don't quite understand why. I was thinking about it today and I was like, it's only been like two weeks. And then I thought about it and I was like, it can't be two weeks because I am way too far into the series that it it just, it can't be. So I pretty much have my television on um, no matter what I'm doing, unless I'm editing audio, my TV is on and I have something going in the background. It's just kind of like a, a pop culture comfort blanket to always have uh, something on that I can watch or kind of absorb while I'm doing this. And I don't know, I guess Hulu just kind of finally got into my brain with it popping up as like a recommendation. And the first 34 seasons of survivor are available on Hulu. 
Now, in some of the earlier seasons, not every episode is available. And by that, I mean there might be one or two missing. Um, I think the most is like three, and it might be like the first three episodes of one of the seasons, like maybe early on within the first ten seasons. But I started watching this. I never watched it. I know it's part. it's been part of the cultural zeitgeist for a long time. I mean, it's been around for 20 years and I just never got into it. It just wasn't something that grabbed me and brought me in. And watching it now, I kind of understand why it didn't. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, honestly, like there was a little part of me that almost like it, it's taken a lot of me not to just constantly bombard Eric with messages uh, <laughs> to be like, girl, how, why, what's going on with this? But... uh <laughs> Because I went but, through my Survivor binge early in lockdown. That was, oh, that, was, okay. that was one of my first lockdown binges was Survivor. Yeah. See, I I tried my best to um, to consume new media early in lockdown because I was behind on so many different things, um, and now I've actually fallen behind on some of the shows that I normally watch, like uh, The Wall and Card Sharks and uh, like a lot of my game shows. Uh, because, and actually even Hell's Kitchen, and maybe that's because I was having all of that, you know, existential crisis about them being in a crowded restaurant and doing all of this, even though uh, it was uh, filmed uh, in 2018. I believe the season was, which I, d- I think I took that uh, part of. I, I don't remember if I left it in the ginger minge episode but i know i had stated on our last roundup about how i was kind of like uh skeeved out a little bit that they would switch filming locations in order to uh circumvent covid uh concerns i take all that back i apologize i didn't do my due diligence before making that statement and apparently they filmed uh two seasons back to back in 2018 uh 2018 2019 and now are just releasing it so my apologies uh, to to Fox and Gordon Ramsay. I'm sure they were very offended by my statement. <laughs> I mean, but... the recent assist letter that we got was very. <laughs> it was a very sternly worded letter from Gordon Ramsay. Uh, but uh, I've been I've been going through this, and not so much that I'm like hugely invested. Where if I fall asleep, I don't go back and I don't rewatch an episode. Like I'll just kind of get go through it. So I haven't like I haven't inundated my brain with uh, 27 ep- uh, seasons of every single episode, every single minute. I don't watch the recaps. I don't watch the reunion shows for the most part, like because honestly, who needs a recap when you're binging an entire season in the course of, you know, 24 hours, you know, 36 hours. But the thing that I'm taking away from this and there are some cool people, there's some fun people to watch. Um and there's some interesting things like I'm liking the challenges. I'm liking how it's kind of progressed. Uh, I am on, I'm late in season 27 right now, uh, which is crazy that it's been, I guess, a little over three weeks that I've been watching this now. Because uh, if I'm taking about a day, a day or two for each season, I'm you know pretty close to a month at this point, which is scary that it's been that long. But again, time is a construct, especially in uh, a pandemic. But the thing that's really surprised me the most is the blatant misogyny, um, the racism 
which is oddly not as pronounced, but it is still there. Uh, the homophobia, which is definitely there. Um, I do not like Boston Rob. And then when he came back for uh, his third run on the show, I was like, oh, maybe I don't dislike him as much. And then he came back for his fourth run, and I was like, he is a douche. Uh, but hearing him say he's a queer, I was like, oh, Jesus Christ, this is why I don't like you, and I didn't even really know you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I haven't gotten to the part, if it's within the first 34 seasons, of um, the trans contestant Zeke being outed, uh, then I will see it during this binge. If not, then I may have to uh, do a, a one-week trial of Paramount Plus and uh, set myself up to cancel it right away so that way I don't forget about it. It's, not, try it's to... not his first season. It's when he comes back for All-Stars. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'll have to keep that in mind. Um, but it is... So, yeah, the misogyny, the racism, the homophobia, um, just the downright awfulness that is in some of these people... It's amazing to me to see it. And I think one of the first messages in our group chat where I brought it up, because I hadn't really brought it up at first, but I sent a message and tagged Eric and was like, does this get any better as the seasons progress, you know, like as we get closer to current time? Because this is 20 years ago or 15 years ago. And even though it's 2000, the world was a lot different 20 years ago and how people thought and portrayed themselves and then, and then i was like or is this how we got trump because honestly <laughs> that's how we got trump <laughs> is that this is the this is the people that are being showcased for the most part and in reading up a little bit on certain things and um, seeing people like monet exchange who is doing kind of a similar thing i didn't realize that she must have started it before me because she's ahead in seasons uh, but Monet is watching this and tweeting about it. And, uh, you know, somebody responded back saying that a lot of the contestants that were pulled were because of this uh, casting agency that really pushed the Southern right-wing Bible-thumping uh, cast, which perpetuates a lot of that homophobia and that misogyny and all of that. And... Uh, just seeing people like John Rocker, because I'm now at the uh, Blood versus Water 2, where John Rocker was a part of it, and seeing his stuff come up. like So this season is tackling it a little bit more, but it's still kind of crazy to see how much negative gets pushed forward and seeing some of these people who are absolute just gross, gross, gross people being portrayed. I don't want to necessarily say whether or not that's them in real life, but... From what I'm seeing on the show, really, it just um, rewards horrible people. And it's kind of tough to watch that. So I watch it. Because it's interesting because even though now they've made some changes as far as like ditching this casting agency, before when they tried to address it on the show, they completely screwed it up. Because there is one season, I want to say it's like in the teens, where they kind of addressed um, their the kind of racism in the casting and whatnot. So what they did is they cast an equal amount of different heritages, <laughs> but they completely <laughs> segregated them 
into wow. different tribes. So they you had the Black Island, you had the White Island, you had the Latino Island, and you had wow. the Asian Island. Mm-hmm. And you had them all competing against each other for yep. the first half of the season. And like that that's not how you tackle that kind of critique. We're gonna be. We're gonna <laughs> give equal uh, <laughs> casting for for different ethnic groups, but by doing that, we're gonna all put them on separate islands. <laughs> so you guys are the Asians. You guys are the blacks. You guys are the the Hispanics, and you guys are the whites. All right. Oh, uh, come on, separate but equal islands. Like fucking ridiculous. It, it did bring about um, a very interesting conversation, and it it. It only okay. I don't want to say only. It does come up a lot in um, in the one culture, but one of the first conversations on the um, the the Asian tribe was about how they're all different, like from different places, mm-hmm. and how they don't really like all see eye to eye. And I'm like, okay, like some of this is like good to see because people don't think that way, but. Yeah, that was ridiculous. And then a couple seasons later, you had the guy that was like, "She's ghetto trash," and the uh, to the one black girl that that came to the tribe at, after her tribe won, and then the the black guy on the his tribe damn near knocked his teeth out. It was like, as he should have. <laughs> uh so it's a bit ridiculous. I, 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 Eric, I think at some point we're gonna have to. Uh, we're gonna have to record an episode and, and talk more because uh, I don't want to go too much longer on this. We've been doing pretty good on keeping this episode on track, but uh, I needed to get some of that out into a uh, into the ether and uh, share it with other people rather than just me in my own house uh, and Havoc, who has to sit here and watch it with me. Anywho, so uh, for the first time in uh, Flame on history, uh, there was a poison mushroom that came up during the one up. So. <laughs> sadly my spin of the roulette did not uh garner a one-up mushroom for me uh and i only do it this way because again in the past month this has pretty much been what i've consumed aside from wandavision uh you know that is a definite one-up in my life but we are going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks with a mega super duper episode and um a shout out to uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez, who now follows us on Twitter. One half of the amazing duo that writes the music for such films as Frozen and Frozen Two and Coco, and does the WandaVision themes um, and other themes to- in the show. Oh, <laughs> which Catherine Hahn sang, by the way. Yeah. And and, uh, we'll, Kath- and we'll be getting an Emmy for if there's any justice in the world for oh supporting actress in a limited series. Oh, <laughs> Catherine Hahn is only four awards away from an EGOT. <laughs> <laughs> and she was also the producer's voice. Yep. They they pitch shifted her voice to be able to, to do that. So it all huh. made sense in the end. Uh, but anywho, that will wrap it up for us. Oh, and uh, Nina West, I've been uh, tweeting back and forth with, who is obsessed with the show as well, so... Uh, big shout out to Nina West. Big shout out to Detox, who's been uh, a big fan of the show. I feel like we just need like a huge like town hall meeting where we all just geek out about it for a while. So Tatiana too is big on it. Oh, I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to follow her. I don't I don't think I follow her on Twitter. So I'm gonna just go check that out and pop into the the dimensions the there. But I love it. So that will do it for us for the month of February. 
Uh, like I said, we have a Patreon exclusive WandaVision uh, episode that is up on our Patreon. So go check that out. We'll have new tiers coming up very soon. And um, yeah, check out our brand new website at flameonshow.com and where you can follow all of us, all of our social media. You can follow all of our stuff there and uh, check us out on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash flameonshow. We'll be back in two weeks with another brand new episode of Flame On. Bye, bitch. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.